Hi everyone, welcome to CK Unmuted. This is a podcast about smart women doing good things for Pennsylvania. My neighbor Nancy Schaefer is with us today to talk about her job as a poll worker in Springfield Township, Montgomery County for the past 30 plus years. Welcome Nancy, thanks for being here. Hi Cynthia, thanks for having me. Let's start out by talking a little bit about um, my experience with uh, voting for the, the past 30 years in Springfield Township. I, I absolutely love the experience, Nancy, of going to the polls and casting my vote. Do you, as a poll worker, actually love working the polls as much as I love coming to the polls to vote? I do. I've been working at the polls, or at least at my mother's coattails, for as long as I can remember. I was raised to believe that it's probably one of the greatest privileges that you have. And any time that we can give um, a little bit of ourselves to make our community better and the democratic process better, we're all better for it. And I love seeing our neighbors and friends come out. Well, well, that's what I love. It's like it's one of the only times of the year that I actually can catch up with people that I haven't seen all year. I just I prefer it actually to the mail-in ballots. I recognize that mail-in ballots are really important, and they're going to probably be a. Uh, you know, something that we're going to be getting used to and, and just a, a permanent, you know, thing for people to vote. But I much prefer showing up to the polls, chatting with my neighbors. I, I just love it. Um, can you talk about why is voting essential to living in a democracy? Well, one of the most basic rights that we have is the right to vote. When we think about the country that we live in, how it's run, it can only go so far without participation from the public. If we relied on our government officials to just make all the decisions for us, then we don't really have a say in how we're governed. When you, when you vote, you're voicing your opinion. And you might think you're just one of millions and millions of people and your vote doesn't count, but it does count. It counts for your own self-respect that you've thought enough about your country, enough about your ideas and yourself and the candidates. And when you participate in that process, you're part of a democracy. We, as women, didn't have the right to vote until the 1920s. And in, during the suffragette movement, one of the things that came to be was the Women's League of Voters. And it's still in existence today in every state. But what's so important about that is it's nonpartisan. And it's no longer just about women voting, it's about everyone voting. And making sure that the right to vote, the informed right to vote, is given to everyone, regardless of gender, race, religion, or ideologies. And the funny thing about that is that when the voters come in, other than having to look during a primary, because we're a closed primary in Pennsylvania, so you can only vote for the Democrats or the Republicans who's ever on a ballot. You're picking your team, essentially. I have to look at the poll book to see who's who. I don't think about anyone's party when the voter walks in. I think about the voter coming in. Are they in the poll book, are they, you know, going through the procedures the correct way? Do they need any assistance? And that's simply why we're there. I also, for those reasons, 
I don't put campaign signs on my front lawn. Oh, let's talk about campaign signs. Go ahead, I'm listening because I, I have a real issue with campaign signs. <laughs> I just feel that my neighbors probably know what party I belong to and maybe my political ideology, but I don't feel a need to put a sign on my lawn, particularly because when I see them coming into the polls, I don't want them to have any any feeling one way or the other about what I would think or any other poll worker, how they would proceed with their vote, their right to vote. So you think it should sort of be a private matter? It absolutely should be private. So and what happens though when you go to those cocktail parties? Oh <laughs> uh, well, um, if you know all the players, you know you <laughs> might you might say a few things. But if you also know some of the players, you just politely nod and change the subject. That's right. That's right. Especially these days, right? Yeah. You are a majority inspector. What are some of the most important rules that you have to enforce in the polling? You work inside the polling place. You're not working outside. You're working inside. Correct. Well, the procedures to make sure that the voters um, are able to exercise their right to vote. And also the transparency and the double checks. We really don't have a problem with ballot. We don't have a problem with ballot stuffing or irregularities at the polls, but that's also because we have safety points and checkpoints. Voters sign a piece of paper when they come in and give it to a clerk, anybody at the table, poll worker, and from there their name is looked up in the poll logs, the registration book. They sign their name, their signature is verified. If for some reason they have, they've moved, they're a new voter, a first-time voter, or just haven't voted in a while, the poll book will indicate to uh, the person who is checking them in that they need to produce some ID. When a voter signs the registration book, the poll book, they're assigned a number by another clerk, normally me, unless I'm on a break, but I typically don't take more than a half hour or so throughout the whole day. Um, you're assigned a voter number, so say you were number 55 that came in. That number is logged on the piece of paper that you turned in in the beginning. It's logged into the poll books itself, and then it's recorded again with that name and number, usually by myself or another clerk at the table, with that number. From there, the voter is given a ballot, instructions on how to use the ballot, and then they physically scan the ballot in themselves afterwards and get their I voted sticker. So all those things have to check, and they have to check on the machines too. And we periodically check how many voters are registered who have cast a ballot. If that number doesn't reconcile with what is in the poll log, then we go back looking for, did we make a mistake um, in issuing a number? Where is that slip of paper? We check the poll log book, check the actual polling place book. and. Very rarely do we are are we off. Mm -hmm. I noticed that there are student volunteers at the polls these days. Um, what do the students say about volunteering on election day at the polls? When they first show up, they they were asked by either a club that they belong to or someone in the school or someone reached out and said, "Are there any volunteers available?" They're excited to come in. I think they're a little bit surprised at how much prep work goes in 
before the polls even open. All the uh, blank ballots are counted. They have to be reconciled at the end of the day. Things are set up to assist the voters. We have an ADA machine just in the event that someone's not able to physically fill in the little dots. Um, and from there, uh, the actual procedure, I think that when they first come in, they think you just come in and vote, but they don't realize all the double checks that go along with it right. and how many times you need to check that and how many different questions people ask, most of which, if they have to do with a candidate, we're not allowed to talk about that inside. It's not totally nonpartisan. That's right. You are not allowed to discuss candidates inside the board. Or have house. any literature. Okay. Nothing that would influence a vote. If you were asked to talk to students at Springfield Township High School about the importance of voting, what would you say? I would say get excited, get interested, participate now. And when you turn 18, vote. Your right to vote, it's an honor, it's a privilege, um, but most importantly, it gives you power. This is your country, this is your future, these are your dreams. Right. Why, if it's, I mean, this is so self-evident to me that, that each individual needs to vote. Why is turnout so low? I think turnout's low because people don't think their vote counts. But why is that? Um, it's a lack of engagement by our elected officials. It's a lack of seeing results or you think that you've gotten excited and interested and then nothing happens. And on a very sad note, a lot of it is the information, and I, I hate to say it, but I think it's um, targeted and pointed, that there is a fraud problem at the polls or that there we're hearing fake news, we're hearing um, a lot of bombardment with disinformation that people just shrug their shoulders and say, why should I even bother? Ah, uh, that's a good point. So you feel like, from your position as a poll worker, you feel like there, you have so many checks and balances that there is very little fraud, despite what the, the prevailing media is, is sending out, or politicians, or whoever. Very, li very little. Yeah. I mean, if we, at least in our polling place, on occasion we might be off a vote that we just can't find that. And mm -hmm. Was it because the machine operator didn't hear? There's a little noise that's made when a vote is cast, mm -hmm. and there's a little screen for the, and it could be a human error thing, but there are so many checks and balances in place that it's virtually impossible. On the grand scheme of the, type, the numbers that you hear, um, ballot stuffing and fraudulent voters and, and dead voters i mean is it possible that dead now, voters could and that's the polling log you have to match the signature when you come in and fill that white piece of paper out and your name is looked up in the book if you are deceased and maybe it didn't register in there you have to be that person you have to be able to sign that once that book is signed you can't have lots of dead people coming in to vote. There's one vote for one person. Right. I, I mean, I'm just trying to figure out how they even claim that the X number of people, dead people, voted. Like, do people, in, you know, do imposters come in and pretend they're the dead person? I mean, how does that even... And it's, it really is not possible. And then <laughs> the question, yeah, it is a good question. It's not possible. And the, oh, machines were all changed. 
Well, guess what? There's no Wi-Fi in those machines. That's another good point. Huh. No one can like hack in from their cell phone or from another country to try and figure out how many people are voting or who they voted for and will change their votes in there. There's no Wi-Fi in the machine. Huh. That's a very interesting point. It is simply um, a scanner. Oh, it's a scanner. And the reason why we moved to paper ballots, that was the second checklist. We used to pull a lever. Right. And then we had a touchscreen. And the touchscreen was a good system, except it relied on the person actually finishing the vote. <laughs> right. And when they pushed the final cast ballot, there's a little blip, or used to be a little blip. Yep. If the machine operator didn't hear the blip, they would go and check and call the voter back to, you know, say you didn't finish casting your ballot. Mm -hmm. With this new system, you physically scan that in. Mm. And the paper ballot is a backup. There's a piece of paper that drops into the bottom of that machine that has a total backup. Right. It doesn't have your name on it, but it has your vote on it. Are, are these kinds of machines in operation around the country, or is this just unique to Springfield Township? I think around the country, and I can't speak for every state or municipality, Montgomery County has their own voting machine system. Philadelphia uses a different system. Delaware County uses a different system. But by and large, these have been researched, they've been tested, they've been checked, and for cost reasons, each county, we're each county, Montgomery County, operates on the same, so I'll use us for an example. The system that we're using is the one that we decided on. But they all pretty much operate the same way these days. So how do you feel about mail-in ballots? Is that an inevitability? Are we going to move to a hybrid system of both? or We always had absentee ballots. So if your child was away at school, they could apply for an absentee ballot. Or if you were going to be away, or if you're infirmed, for whatever reason, you couldn't go to a poll. You could request one. With COVID, you were able to re just request a flat-out mail-in ballot. I think it's a good thing. It's a good thing for a lot of reasons. One, there are certain people that, for own personal reasons, can't make it to the polls. Um, it invite, It's an, in, another invitation and encouragement for people to vote. So instead of saying, oh, I'll go on my way home from work, but it's boring rain. I don't feel like getting out of the car and getting soaking wet. My vote won't matter. You have another opportunity. Mm -hmm. And the nice thing is, too, you're, you're, when you apply for that, you're giving yourself a backup. It doesn't mean you can fill it out. It doesn't mean you have to mail it in. Right. As long as you bring that to the polls, because that will be registered also that you have gotten a mail-in ballot mm -hmm. that you requested and it was sent. If you bring that physical ballot in, we have a piece of paper that you'll know, sit down with myself or the judge of elections and fill out that, you know, acknowledging that you've relinquished your ballot and that you would like to vote in person. And if for some reason you just lost it, there's another piece of paper you can fill out. Mm -hmm. And that's an affidavit. So you're going to vote, but you're going to vote provisionally. And those ballots are kept separately. And when you're, um, if you mailed your ballot in, before that provisional vote, could you can't vote twice. So there's no double voting. You can't mail it in and show up. Right. It doesn't happen. Right. So, um, so you're, yes, you're giving, you're giving the voters another opportunity to vote. 
Because Pennsylvania only has one day in person. Other states have multiple days that you can go to the polls. Uh -huh. We have 7 o'clock in the morning until 8 o'clock at night. Oh, interesting. Nancy, what are the most significant changes that have occurred over the time, over the 30 plus years that you've been a poll worker, and what impact are they having? Well, um, Springfield was prom predominantly a Republican township. That changed and we're a 50% Democratic majority now. There used to be, and I, this will go to getting the youth involved because for whatever reason, at least in 7-2, the Republican Party is not participating outside of the polls as much as they had 10, 15 years ago. So that means there's, they're not physically people standing outside very, on the day of election. Very little physical representation. On the major elections, you'll see more people out there. Um, that's primarily because they might be working for a particular candidate or in a particular ballot issue. But as far as just a general um, representation, the Democrats have now shown more of um, a physical presence at the polls. And we've done a couple of things. There have been some elections where no Republicans have come. There was just a literature drop by whoever was dropping literature off for the poll workers, but there was no poll worker. And I know myself, I've done it, and the Democratic poll workers outside have done it. We've gone and gotten a table or a chair and maybe a rock to weigh them down so they're not blowing all over the place, and put a sign up. So if you're coming in as a Republican, and it's, well, where's my literature? But there's no one there to hand you any, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or to talk to you. At least we've made an effort. I'm saying we as in, you know, a nonpartisan worker. Right. But the Democratic poll workers, I can attest that they've made an effort to make sure that that literature is available to the Republican mm -hmm. voters. Mm -hmm. Or just a voter who wants to see both of them. Because not uh, everybody votes straight party. Right, 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 right. Good point. And because again, it's it's irrespective of what your party is, you need to vote. Right. This is how we maintain a democracy. I remember and I want you to talk just about um, you know, taking for example, I would take my mom in who was ninety three years old. I love you know. seeing your mom at the polls. <laughs> you know. I love Hello Mrs. Rafetta, how are you? <laughs> right. And she loved it. And she, obviously, my parents were who inspired me of the importance of voting. But this is kind of a tangent. Um, but when you get elderly people in or people with some sort of disability, a, a, you know, cognitive disability or a, particularly with cognitive disabilities, um, how, you know, like, it's kind of a tricky situation. Like, it, I would go in with her. She would always know who she wanted to vote for. But that's permitted, right? Like, people with disabilities or whatever, they are allowed to have somebody go in with them and help them cast their, or, or sit down, now I keep saying go in with them because I'm picturing the old, right, the old, the old the curtain, you into, you right? know, that but, opens. Or now there's filling in circles. Mm -hmm. How does that work if you have a parent who's elderly and they need assistance? Um, well, uh, depending on the nature, say that they can physically, there is a form and that's where the inspector and the judge of elections come in because you don't want, again, the transparency, and it is important to protect the vote, protect your right to vote, but also the integrity of the vote. So you don't want someone manipulating anyone, and um, you fill out an affidavit saying that you can do this for them. Okay. Sometimes it's a matter of um, just physically not being able to do it. So maybe, you know, filling in those circles, 
someone's hand's a little shaky or they could have broken their hand and not able to do it. So that assistance is allowed. And we also have a separate machine. So with the ballots, interesting. Uh, a lot of people mess up. It's like taking a test. And collection anxiety. Can I have another one? And you can. You can get you get three bites at filling in those. Oh, well, I didn't know that. <laughs> and then and then we have a backup for that one too. So the um, but we don't want to see your vote. So what we'll ask if you need to turn that in or the person that was having trouble, we ask you to spoil it. Just scribble, make a lot of notes. So I, when I take that and write spoiled across it, because I have to turn that ballot in. That has to be accounted for. It's like you're writing void on a check. Exactly. Then you're given another one. And at the end of the three, if you're still having trouble, we have a very special machine. It, um, you can use speakers. You can use large screen, touch screen. You can audio vote. Wow. Really? Yeah. It's an ADA machine. We have not, that I can remember, had anyone come in that, or you know, got to that point or requested maybe once um, using it. But John Roberts, our judge of election, and Hutch, the minority inspector, both vote that way. And they vote that way so that they're keeping up with their skills so that when the person that comes in that needs that ADA machine for whatever reason, or they messed up three times, they're familiar with how to use it, not like, oh, you know, let's dust this That is so this admirable. That, that, that's really, wow. Uh, we have great poll workers. Nancy, do you get paid as a poll worker? I do. Ah, I don't think people are aware of that. It might sweeten the pot a little it bit. It might sweeten the pot. <laughs> Actually, it has sweetened the pot. So when I started, I can't remember the exact amount, but I think it was 40 or $50. So if you're talking about seven in the morning, but you're really there six-ish, and we don't go home quite as late, but it could have been 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night, because we used to manually have to reconcile the votes. Mm -hmm. um, you're not talking about a lot of money for a lot of hours. So it went up to $90, but then COVID hit. Nobody wanted to do it, mm -hmm. so they raised it. Oh, <laughs> one of the silver linings of COVID. Mm -hmm. So it is now $225. Really? Yep. And has that attracted more people? Um, I don't think the poll workers that are our station or in our district uh, do it for the money, but it's certainly a nice little thing to get about a month and a half later, the check comes from the county. Right. I had no idea. And yeah. that's another thing that I don't think people are aware of. There's only so many people that can get paid. Right. Like we had an instance, um, number of presidential elections ago, where there was a miscommunication in the Springfield and the Montgomery County Democratic Party. So they were soliciting people to work at the polls and training them, and here they show up on election day and they're told they're going to get paid. Only we're sitting at the table and we're the ones that are supposed to be getting paid. What do you do? You send them home? No, you want them there. You say, you get paid. I'm here anyway. I, I, I'm not coming here for the money. Wow. But now you do have people that, are, uh, that I've talked to that are kind of like, it's really nice you get paid. When you were getting paid 40 or $50, <laughs> right. it, wasn't, it wasn't so great. Probably spent more on getting your family tank. or getting takeouts for your family to eat because you're not home to right. cook for them. But, right. um, yeah. 
are there other things that we haven't covered that you think are are really important for listeners to know about working the polls? I really want to start to encourage more um, volunteerism at the polls. Outside, that is not a paid position. But care enough to maybe want to give an hour or two. Reach out to your committee person, ask a neighbor, do you know who handles this? I'd, I'd like to help, especially in the important, not that all elections aren't important, but when we get into very, you know, in 2024, we're going to have a presidential election. We get a turnout, and there's a big turnout, and people are very passionate about that, and they should be passionate about that. Um, but the more people that we can attract, particularly the younger people, and that's where I think someone like myself or just both parties have to do more to say, we really want to get you involved, because someday we want you inside. You know, 30 years, I'm going to be at that table forever. Yeah. And actually, I don't want to be at that table forever. I want somebody else to do it, not because I don't love to do it, but because I think there's a time when you pass the torch, when you say, we just need another face. We need another idea. We need another presence. And Yeah. So who's, whose role is that? You know, I really thought about that, and I never got involved with that other than encouraging my own children, which I did have putting out literature and maybe manning for a little bit, or could you come over and give me a break? I, even my husband, a presidential election, you're just so busy, you might need another pair of hands, and it's, you're not going to get paid, um, but can you come over and give a hand? Um, I think it really has to come down to the party reaching out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if you don't ask, you're not going to get the help. So as you said, the schools have political action committees, they have all kinds of clubs, but if they're not approached or if someone doesn't come to speak to the club, how are they going to know unless they have some you know, really savvy yeah. young person yeah. that says, I'm going to call my committee person who I might not even know who their name is. Right, right. So I want to thank you very much for being here today and we will uh, list some links in the, uh, the blog post that I'm going to write that accompanies this interview with Nancy. Um, thank you, Nancy, very much for being here. Thank you for having me. And also, I want to thank you for putting a little spark in my head about what I can do to make this process better and to engage our youth. Very good. Thank you all for listening today, and uh, we will be with you next time on CK Unmuted. Bye-bye.